We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers lost a hard-fought game yesterday, 121 to 109. It was competitive. Lakers defended well in the first half. Then in the third quarter, Memphis scored 47 points, John Morant having 28 of them himself. And the better team with the more talent won the game. Memphis moved to 26 and five at home on the year. Um, And it was a good game for the Lakers with respect to we competed. And in terms of figuring out what this kind of new group is with the new guys, but without LeBron, it was, I think, a great game of tape for the coaches to be able to watch and draw conclusions from. Um, Really missing ball handlers, though, Mike. Hard to survive. I I didn't see the final box score, but it was like 26 to 6 in turnovers at one point. Lakers really struggled with their ball pressure and ball denial. And yeah, when the other team gets 20 more shots at the rim, it's hard to make up for the math elsewhere. So what were your thoughts from Memphis last night? Yeah, so I think as we were discussing on the podcast yesterday, uh, Anthony Davis taking his game up to another level was certainly going to be required. And he was uh, incredible defensively, especially in that first half and still able to get a lot of things going uh, on the offensive end as well. But Memphis was absolutely swarming him uh, inside with multiple bodies. And, you know, one of those guys swarming is one of the other top few defenders in the league in Jaron Jackson Jr. And so AD ends up not having a very efficient overall game, um, even with his 28 points, like he was nine for 19. There were a couple shots inside that he probably could have finished. He got to the free throw line 13 times, um, which is a ton. So he just he carried such a big load. And I thought this was like the first the first game in, where they so obviously missed LeBron, it, LeBron for sure. And then as a secondary player, D'Angelo Russell where all of a sudden it was on Dennis Schroeder and Austin Reeves primarily um, to try and make reads and get guys the ball against not just a good defensive team as Memphis is. They've been in the top three basically all season, but just a high-pressure team. And once the game started going in that direction, the Lakers just it, it didn't feel like they had an outlet uh, that they could really use uh, other than 
you know, just continuing to get the ball to Anthony Anthony Davis in spots, which Memphis was trying to deny. So, you know, you had like you had 15 field goal attempts from Lonnie Walker in his 22 minutes off the bench. Like just, he just was a excellent. guy that can at least get his mm-hmm. own shot. Yeah, I mean, he made five threes, right? And and yet even he, like Lonnie Walker, had three turnovers to one assist. Uh, and there aren't that many guys that had a great assist-to-turnover ratio. You know, Beasley had three turnovers to two assists. AD had five turnovers to zero assists. Dennis, uh, Dennis Schroeder and Austin combined for 17 assists, but against 10 turnovers. And, and so that was really the bottom line of the game. It was too much to overcome. Uh, and I do think you have to kind of give Memphis some credit. But with all of that, like the Lakers, and, and this with John Morant going on in just otherworldly run in the third quarter, which we could talk about in, in kind of like what the defensive coverages were or weren't, they still got it to four. Uh, with a late run, uh, you know, in that. So this this team is really fighting hard. Um, I think that they sort of have shown enough that they can win enough games to stay in the mix, um, even even with just what they had last night. But getting Russell back uh, doesn't seem like it's going to be in Oklahoma City. will certainly help that some just in terms of the slotting uh, for who you have in ball handlers and a guy that can just run some screen roll, right, and, and maintain the basketball. So that was the big thing from Memphis. So full disclosure, I watched the first half of this game. The second half of this game, I was on a plane. And when I landed, my phone died. So it was quite the frustrating thing. I was just like, I'm trying to figure out who won the damn basketball game. And that's so straight out of the Yeah, that's somewhere scale. very hey, adjacent. Man. Yeah. Yes. No, it and is. So it, luckily it wasn't. It's like so, literally on the scale. It's um flight. Well, close. If, Play, yeah, play yeah, delayed, game. have to watch Laker playoff loss on phone. So this yeah. is a child of that. Yes, yeah. it, yes, yes. Second cousin. I didn't know who won all the way until I got home. And when I got home, I was just like, oh, damn it. Okay, I understand. <laughs> and then I looked at some of the box score stuff. I was just like, oh, massive third mm-hmm. quarter, big John Morant game. I could sort of see the template that you laid out at the beginning, Pete, which is like the team with more talent sort of like exerted themselves and found the cracks and the exploitable things that they couldn't necessarily get to in the first half. Because when I was watching the first half, that's sort of what I saw. I saw a rock fight. I saw a slugfest. I saw Anthony Davis in the middle of it all um, defensively and on the backboards. Um, really doing a good job of bottling up what Memphis was doing. And you ever play one of those games where you're at like the arcade to win tickets and it's just like, all right, um, like tap the, tap the light that turns on in order to like win tickets. And, and like you, and like it keeps going faster and faster and faster until at the very end, okay, you're out of time. And like your score was 350 and eight, you really have to have excellent sort of eye-hand coordination and like pattern recognition and all of this other stuff. But sometimes it's just like I'm making the right choice and I'm sort of like walking into the right decisions. And AD's defensive half, first half, I felt uh, was a lot like that, where he was just in the right place at the right time every single time. He was just making the right choice, the right choice. And his instincts were leading him to the place where he needed to be. And so he's like up on jaw contesting. He is laying back because jaw's coming to him. It's just like he was reading all of that perfectly. It was 
a phenomenal first half defensively, Pete. And so I just want to kick it to you on that specific point right there, because in the aftermath of the game, like that's probably going to get lost. But AD's first half defensively was like so monumentous. And I was thinking to myself, can they can he keep this up? Is Memphis going to find a way around this? Because he single hand, not single handedly, but but single handedly, I thought was anchoring the team defensively in a way where I was just like, look at Memphis, like they can't score against like this depleted Lakers team, like without LeBron, without D'Lo, where the Lakers couldn't score either. They didn't have enough sort of offense. And that was a 15 to four turnover disadvantage too. And they were still up by three in that first half. His defense, man, like if you've ever seen that, uh, the Avatar last Airbender show, uh, Aang goes into the Avatar state where he just basically kicks everyone at everyone's ass for a certain period of time. That's how Anthony Davis plays defense on during long stretches of the game. And he did that for a whole half. I legit texted you guys. That was one of the best defensive halves I've ever seen from a player. Like I was in awe of that performance and he was completely locking down the paint in a way that now Memphis had had a lot of paint points at halftime, but it was like 28, 30. It was very obvious. Their game plan was we're going to attack the paint every single time. Come the third quarter, I think they ended with like 86 points in the paint because that's how bad it got in the third quarter. And what it was, what I saw at least, Mike, I'm curious if you uh, saw the same thing, is that it was like, okay, great. We're close at halftime. Offensively, we need to be able to get it going. And none of our guards can really deal with the pressure. There was a play in the first half where Dennis got an offensive foul, slapping Dylan Brooks on a back pressure, like pushing him off. And it was just like... Dylan Brooks is, is is in a completely different weight class than Dennis Schroeder. And if you can lean on those type of guys, like the bigger player is going to win that battle more often than not. And so that's that's where missing your two main ball handlers really hurts. And so what I saw, at least in terms of the halftime adjustment, was we started playing through AD on offense a lot more, Mike. And he was great. He had a double digit third quarter on the offensive end and was really a stalwart in that respect. But if you're asking him to do that, that sort of like every play type of dominance on one end of the floor, he can do it. To ask him to do that for a full game against John Morant, because what killed us in that third quarter was, and I'd love to talk about adjustments at some point too, but like they ran the same high ball screens and the shots that he was locking down, Mike, in the first half, he was a little bit late on those, or he was a little bit deeper in the drop and the floater was a little more comfortable. And then Ja got, got into a rhythm and it was all downhill from there. But that sort of like, we need to be able to support him better than we did because I think asking him to be everything, everywhere, all the time, the entire game is just not a reasonable way to to move forward. No, it's not. But that's the adjustment that that takes a game without LeBron to make because AD could mm-hmm. play that way and then LeBron could carry that kind of weight on the other end uh, and, and get him the ball in spots or take on the defense or get into the paint and – not only that, but LeBron can slide over, uh, you know, when depending on what his energy level is defensively and help a little bit in that sense, too, which in this case, it was Troy Brown. And Troy also struggled to hit shots like Troy hit his first shot along two, and then missed, I think, like seven or eight straight. You know, and so there were there were some other things like that, like Dennis wasn't hitting his shot. Austin was uh, Austin hit his first four threes yep. and then he went cold. So it goes it goes hand in hand. But the ask for AD to me is the biggest is the biggest takeaway for moving forward. And that's why I had mentioned that they got to get Russell back um, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know if you'll notice it as much against Oklahoma City without Shea, but you'll notice it. Some, they're a good ball pressure team. They're good ball denial. They rotate well. Yeah. Yeah. They're 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 not big at the five, but they're sort of big everywhere else. You know, at like the two, three, four, especially, and they're just active and they're they're athletic, and so that's that's going to be one of those spots. It's going to be a big ask for AD on a back to back, and mm-hmm. AD's hitting the floor mm-hmm. every other second. I mean, so it's it's just that's the that's I think the concern that I would have yeah. from the Lakers standpoint going into this Thunder game. That like, yes, Shea's not playing, but it's an athletic team. It's a young team. They're uh, they're going to be just sort of ball pressuring and running around and, and the Lakers are going to have to find ways to calm down some execute and get some consistent offense other than just give Anthony Davis the ball and expect him to create in those settings. So uh, what, where could those places be would be my question to you two. I want to zero in on Troy for a second because I understand, I understand why Troy started. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy has typically been the first guy off of the bench for LeBron in this new rotation that the Lakers have have been running. And some of the four man lineup data that has included D'Lo, who hasn't played in a few games, but like the D'Lo, Brown, Beasley, Vando, AD group has been a pretty good group. And I get it. But Mike, I go back to the Golden State game which was the first game that the Lakers had with the new players. Bamba didn't play and LeBron didn't play. And before the game, I was talking to a few people there uh, and they were asking me, what do you think is going to happen with the starting lineup? And then afterwards, after it was announced who the starting lineup was going to be like, what do you think of, of this group? And I said, I get it. And in that game, Rui started. And Dennis started, and Dennis started next to D'Lo. So this was before Beasley got into the starting group. And I said, I get it. One of the reasons why I get it is because with LeBron out, LeBron does two things. He does big man things, like wing things, big wing things, Mm -hmm. shot creation things, and he does ball handling things. And there's not a single player on the roster that does both of those things, right? And so I said to replace him in the starting lineup, you have to use two players. And I said, I think, and I said, I don't know if Darwin is looking at it this way, but this is my interpretation of what Darwin is doing is in Dennis, he is giving the team another ball handler next to D'Lo, the guy who can shot create, who can organize the offense, who can sort of set things up and be that secondary ball. Also a main point of attack defender, right? You're not going to really ask D'Lo to do that. And so Dennis can take that responsibility. 100%. And then with Rui, that is your sort of big wing shot creator. Score. Give this guy the ball. He can go score some. And so before the game yesterday, we were in, in our text thread and when we were sort of discussing like who should start or what do you guys think is going to happen um, in terms of starting lineup with, with LeBron. And I was saying, I think Rui should start. And one of the reasons why I think Rui should continue, should start actually, as long as LeBron is out is because I get that Brown is Brown spacing and his skill set and his secondary ball handling are fine. But I think that you need the shot creation You need the guy who you can just sort of give the ball to at times and just say, go try to get us a basket. And Rui's not going to be the most efficient player at that, but Brown is going to be almost completely dependent on other guys 
to create shots for him. And I think that you're you're leaving the usage a little light if your only usage guys in the starting group are AD and Dennis, because then the ask on AD becomes very, very high. And, and also the ask on Dennis, I would argue, becomes higher than is ideal. And Dennis, to me, is really the guy to focus in on in this conversation. Like, I... This has been just a fascinating team in the degree that it's changed and that it, sort of the the environment has changed around a lot of players in ways that earlier in the season, the and, and all the way up to this point, really, the drive and kick game has been especially important, right? The ability for a guy to be able to get downhill. Lonnie Walker was tremendous at this yesterday of playing with force that we were talking about on yesterday's pod, Mike, uh, like really getting downhill and like, if you don't rotate all the way, I'm going to dunk on you type of force and attitude, right? Now, there's only so much of that that you can get from Alani and Dennis in that they're just small, right? You can have all the attitude and and speed in the world, but when a team is that big and can kind of lean on you and has that size and physicality that Memphis does, there's just a limit on the what you can do with that. And so that is, Rui was a guy who got a couple of buckets where that he was the superior athlete and he had, he was the guy with the size advantage that I think are important. I also totally understand why I I totally understand the argument against Rui in that he, he doesn't always, he doesn't really know what he's doing in a five on five type of sense all of the time and makes a lot of like, he had a turnover, for example, where he tried to drive into a single gap in the second half and they got an easy steal breakaway layup you know, and timeout right after that. He makes a lot of plays that are kind of like that, that are, and, but also like Vanderbilt does that too. Uh, Brown had a game where I thought everybody, I'm curious if you saw this too, Mike, I was curious about the like emotional reaction of the team to LeBron being out and what would this first game against a really good team in their building be like. And it, it felt to me like one of those games where everybody tried to do too much, which is a good thing in that everybody cares and is locked in. But one of the things that can happen is they're like, all right, it's Troy Brown time and I'm going to drive the ball and attempt this shot or this pass that is not a very high percentage one. Vanderbilt does the same thing, you know, which I get the spirit, but I thought that hurt us yesterday. Well, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened there. It's a that's also what I think led to a lot of the turnovers. Yep. So instead of and this is what Darvin Ham explained it this way. After the game, he's basically, so what's the reason for the turnovers basketball wise, you know, not just, okay, Memphis played physical and they, you know, they sped you up and and stuff. Um, And his quote was guys were trying to play the right way, but we have to make quicker decisions on the catch, either shoot it quick drive downhill or swing it to the next guy. We held it for too many extra seconds, took too many extra dribbles. And that kind of tells you right there. And the why to that is that you're, you're not, you don't see the home base there. You don't see sort of the guy that you're used to just give the ball to him yeah. and let him figure it out. And so everybody else is trying to figure it out and they're trying to figure it out against the most, one of the most high pressure defenses in the league. And like you guys mentioned, Dylan Brooks, who's certainly going to give everything back to you on the other end by taking a bunch of terrible shots um, that should go to his teammate, Desmond Bain, um, let alone John Morant or somebody else, but is getting right up into everybody defensively and speeding like it's what Vanderbilt did to Luka Doncic now Vanderbilt was able to speed up Luka Doncic and and the Grizzlies sped up the whole Lakers team and that I do think that the good thing about a back-to-back is that that will be the point of emphasis going into the game against Oklahoma City and I think you will see an improvement there but 
there still has to be some, not just Dennis Schroeder, right, and not just Austin Reeves, uh, parts of that action there. And I and I do start to worry about the AD usage element of this, and uh, and yet he's the guy that OKC absolutely cannot handle. So it's gonna be gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. So yeah, how do you how do you square this? Your two main ball handlers are out. Uh, it sounds like Delo's going to be out tonight. How do you create good offense when teams can pressure you and lean on you? Let's take a break. When we come back, I'd love to get into that topic. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this is where we find ourselves, D, right? Without LeBron, without D'Lo, hopefully temporarily, but a day-to-day injury turned into a week injury, right? And so we'll see. Um, So how can we create good offense against these teams that are going to certainly take advantage of that fact? The place that I've landed on is that we both need AD to be that defensive player of the year type of guy. I don't want to ask him to also be the, the guy where we just give you the ball every possession, like unless it's the last three minutes of a close game type of thing. You know what I mean? Like that's the time to pull out, pull that out. So how do you change the workload on Anthony Davis on the offensive end while still having him be dominant? We want the 30, 35 point nights, right? It's just more the how of it. How do you get that while also not asking too much out of him? And this to me is one of the places where like, Dennis sticks out in that he's not a motion player, right? Meaning that if you could give the ball to AD and run split cuts, for example, right? Throw the ball to AD in the high post. That's where he's been getting a lot of his touches on the left side of the court. Going to get the ball not all the way down on that low block, but up at the elbow. And we, we try to clear out a side for him. We have enough shooting now where you can throw that pass, good old split cut off of that. And then if there's nothing available off of that, you've cleared out a side for AD and there's fewer bodies, right? Kind of in, in the way. Let me just Let me just stop you there for a sec. Uh, I just got a text. A, so AD is out for this game at OKC. And 
basically a right foot stress injury, uh, the one that he's been questionable about and, and dealing with. So there you go. Thoughts? <laughs> God damn it. So all during the text thread last night, when I actually got my phone to turn back on, I went through all of these moments, right, about you guys going back and forth during the game in which I wasn't able to watch in the second half. The idea of, like, how much would AD be able to give tonight against the Thunder? And also, this I think they said this during the broadcast, that he hadn't played in a, in a back-to-back recently mm-hmm. at all. The writing yeah. was a bit on the wall. We can definitely have a longer AD talk. Like, I'm hoping that what comes out of this is like his foot is sore. Mm-hmm. They're being precautious. Like he had, he carried a heavy burden mm-hmm. in this last mm-hmm. game. I'm looking it up right now. He played 35 minutes, but watching him play in that first half, I was just like, these are taxing minutes. Like these are, these are 35 hard hard minutes and this whole last stretch of games i felt like have been hard hard minutes the intensity level mike i can imagine has felt more like a playoff game than it has been a regular season game um the switch has been turned on by every team we could definitely get into 80 stuff later but i'm actually now even more interested in the OKC game because we yeah, pivot man. from that idea of like, well, we still got one of our main dogs and- And this is how we build the world LeBron around him, right? Out. Yeah. And so, y- yes, to more <sighs> this idea of like, everyone is gonna have a little bit of freedom. Everyone's gonna have a little bit of like, you get your chance to go out there and play some. Like I expect to see Bamba. I expect to see, like all of these dudes are gonna play with a sense of like none of this not it doesn't matter but you know like there's no there's there's no burden on them mike like i feel like and 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 so i'm i'm actually i don't want to say encouraged because you're never encouraged when your two best players are out but i'm I'm in an interesting way looking forward to see how this group sort of plays when they get to go out and play with freedom and just like, hey, like, go do what you want because there's no AD, there's there's no LeBron, there's no D'Lo, and that's going to cause its own structural issues in in its own way. But these dudes are going to go out there and just hoop and play and play to their strengths as much as they can. And I always sort of like games like that to to a certain extent, even if the downside of that is a really low downside. Well, we, we've certainly answered the question as to not having to yeah. feed the ball to AD too much and, and uh, have him, you know, have, have things go through him. It's, it's, it's funny, Pete, how that happened in just that the, the, the podcast up to that point yep. was basically about, I don't know, like that's kind of a lot to ask AD to do. And yet that's sort of when you're a two-way superstar. Yes which he is when I'll be like, that is part of the job. And I don't, so they've been list the way, let me just kind of look into the injury report thing for a second. So if somebody has been on the report and for LeBron, it was the, it was mostly the left foot, right? It was like the, even though they were saying ankle right? for, and it's both, but it, it's all related, whatever. But once you have something listed, then you don't necessarily change that listing. If it's something that can be, 
sort of deemed as soreness moving forward. So I don't, this doesn't immediately give me big red alarm concerns that 80s foot right. is bad again, because like, he hasn't said anything about the foot uh, to me for the most part, but it's, it's not necessarily that it could be a combination of, of many things. Like he landed hard on the wrist last night. He landed hard in general, whatever the mileage is, but you know, I'm, what I'm trying to think about now is this final stretch in March. And I don't think there's another back to back for a while here. And just what, what can the Lakers do now with knowing that LeBron's going to be out at least for a little bit. And I'm not, I never want to encourage, you know, not playing a game unless absolutely necessary. So I'm not going to judge that for AD. I'm just trying to think of what do they, what can the Lakers do if that type of a game is then going to have AD not play the next game. And it just, a tricky picture becomes even more tricky. Now let me answer the back-to-back question. So there isn't another back-to-back until April, um, April 4th and 5th. So this is the second to last back-to-back of the season. So I guess that's good uh, in terms of this type of thing. But yeah, nonetheless, no AD tonight. Mike, sorry, uh, back-to-back on the 14th and the 15th um, at New Orleans. Like I was saying, there's no back-to-back in March (laughs) except for the one on March 14th and 15th. Um, (laughs) The the thing is – Yeah, Houston and uh, New Orleans. the, uh, the idea of availability is really the foundation of all of this. Everything else is theoretical if we're just – if they, our guys can't play. And if D'Lo doesn't play as well tonight, that's $100 million worth of guys on the bench. And so the answer to the question yeah, of – he's not, not going to play. Right. So the answer to the question of how do you play without LeBron is a different one than how do you play without LeBron and AD, which is a different one than how do you play without LeBron and AD and D'Angelo Russell. These are games, though, Mike, that when you look at the schedule for each team that's battling in this play in and whatnot, this at OKC right here, a game like this needs to be a win. If it if it's not, subtract one from whatever your expected win total was uh, coming down the stretch. And so that that thing with a D uh, with respect to like this is what two way superstars do is they are asked to carry that. My one point on that, Mike, is, is that. AD hits these levels, hits these highs that are just unbelievable. It's not this like, oh, he's just consistently good. It's like he's breaking this game. He melted that first game defensively. He was the reason why we were in that game. And and that where he's crashing on the floor four or five times a quarter <laughs> even, you know, like – that that doesn't seem sustainable to me, right? And I understand the not playing in a back-to-back, but – if you got $100 million worth of guys on the bench, like you are a heavy underdog all of a sudden tonight. So, man, that hurts. There is a there's a part of I can see your way of thinking. And sometimes this will happen in the second quarter when the Lakers are playing a certain team and it's going a certain way. And, and you'll you'll see some you're like, nope, they're definitely coming back. And they don't come back every time you say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes they do. And this is to me almost feels like that going into a game where instead of all right, guys. There's no depending on AD. You can't just give him the ball. Like, all you have to play tonight. And OKC, for as much as we talked about them being a, a young, energetic, like, athletic team, all that, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a part of that intensity that wanes when it's not AD. Uh, and and that's, that's what usually happens in the NBA. Now, less so against the Lakers, certainly. But I do think that there could be some element of that where both teams kind of take on this, hey, let's just go out there and play. And and I think that could benefit the Lakers. And, and I don't, uh, you know, I don't cross it off as a game that they can win. 
So even if that doesn't happen, Mike, and there is no foot off the gas for the Thunder, the Thunder are a play hard team. The Lakers are a play hard team, right? Like I expect both these teams to go out there and really Mm -hmm. get after it with what they have in front of them. And Pete, to your point, $100 million is not available. One, like 100% correct. And the the difference in this, though, is that there were games where neither AD or LeBron or Russ played, for example. And there's now at that point, there's like $30 million left of salary mm-hmm. total that you have available mm-hmm. to play. And it's swapping out. It's swapping out Russ for and even Bev for like sure. Bamba. Right. Like and none for Rui. Right. And, and it's a great point. If, if you're going to win with the depth you that you got at the trade ha- deadline, this is one of those games where you do it, where it's like Rui has that 25 point night. Bamba, who got benched last night, we haven't even talked about when and taking his spot. Right. That Bamba's like, oh, you benched me last night. Bamba's going to play tonight. And here's a here's an 18 and 10 game. He might start. Yeah. Tonight. Let's game theory this out right. really quickly. All right. So Dennis is going to start. Beasley is going to start. I would then start Vando and Rui and Bamba. I would start all of those dudes. I don't think Dennis should start. This is something that we could talk about, uh, you know, maybe more uh, in depth. But I think that like giving Dennis his own unit off of the bench is more helpful. That was when we were playing really well. Right. That was what it looked like. And then you have two skill guards. I'm saying, no, I understand. I understand. Actually, but you're saying uh, no, Dennis, no, that's a good point though. Like just with all of that shot creation, yeah, you'll yeah, need to yeah, 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 yeah. So is that too much? Like, is that like putting all your eggs in one basket with the group that I just said? Would you prefer like a lower usage guy than no, no? That's why. No, you need the usage. You have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and D'Angelo Russell out. The hundred million dollars. Put that, that in a different way. Is usage right? That's. 70 some odd percent usage probably collectively like yeah you need guys that can create shots and just get the whole wheel started so that's why when you guys brought that up i was like duh of course dennis is going to start in under these conditions right um but to me yeah Rui, Rui, and bomba are the guys to start in in those spots like you'll need Rui's scoring punch as well where are you at mike yeah uh i'm i'm still kind of looking at this as the group rally around the flag game now and so it doesn't matter that much, like what the what the combinations are I in, think in that's this kind of a game. True. I, yeah, I, 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 you know what I mean. Like, there's, but yeah, like I do think that you're just going to keep the keep the lineup probably from yesterday. Um, but would that be Bamba or Gabriel? I mean, completely different players than Anthony Davis, man. Like, on yeah, I don't know. Take your, yeah, t- take your pick, but I guess. The thing is, if you're going to have it be Bamba, then you probably would rather have Rui right. in there than Troy. Because you can get, you can score. You know? And yeah. And so, but that, that's, that, I'm, I'm just going to keep the, um, the position and then, and, uh, actually, I won't do that. I, I'm not going to punt. Let me try to answer your actual question. Because it's this, it's this weird, it's this thing of, do you want to just keep what little continuity you've had in the, in the rotations? Or do you want to pick the one that that's going to happen to work best? for this night matchup wise. And they just have so much new, they have so many new players that are going to have to try to play together that haven't before that it takes away a little bit from a team that's been together all year. And then you can plug and play. And so that, that becomes a little bit more difficult, but like I would probably go Dennis and Beasley 
with Rui and um, yeah, I guess I guess just throw Bamba out there. Keep winning in the backup to start. Spot, yeah. Like keep Gabriel as the as the back as a as a backup spot, and then Vanderbilt. and then yeah, Vandy would be the would be the sort of your energy and and do all that and, de- and defensive focus type player there. And then Austin be carrying the bench unit um, with Wenyan as, as discussed and Lonnie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coming off of his good yeah, game. That could, that could be fun. So that's probably how I go. And then Troy. That could work. Troy is the backup too. One of the reasons why I would start Bomba Pete, Dennis had some pretty good chemistry with like Mark Gasol as like Ooh, a great point. point player. So mm-hmm. Dennis is not a great, like hit the roll man player and him and ad's chemistry still seems like off a little bit sorry just real quick this is a point i've been wanting to make for for a minute like dennis's numbers with ad on the court and lebron off of the court are the worst on the team and dennis's plus minus and net rating has been has been good in a lot of other circumstances but this speaks to your point is that like dennis dennis needs space in the he's an attacking speed guard and so like a guy who can stand behind the three-point line and that's where people care about him the most and pull another guy with him just makes Dennis's life easier. I think it's a great point. And so this this idea of a pick-and-pop big playing next to Dennis, like, I love Wenyon, and I thought his energy in that first half, I was just like, oh, look at Wenyon getting after it. A couple Missed tips, yeah. offensive rebounds, just, like, getting after it, right? And But Wenyon really thrived with Russ, who was that guy who passes you open and mm-hmm. passes into spaces where you're going to be or leading you to the open spot on the floor. And Wenyon has such good feel around where, where and when to cut that it was a match made in heaven in their pick and roll actions. Dennis is not that same sort of passer. Um, he gets his assists more on driving kicks rather than driving dump offs or like passing a guy open. And it's one of the reasons why I think his his um, his numbers in tandem when he's on the court mm-hmm. with AD that it sort of suffers, right? Because AD is getting downhill and he's bringing more defenders with him mm-hmm. to the paint. And so I I would start Bamba. And I would just be like, look, you're our five or four or five best offensive players at your respective positions who we have left. And I would just be like, look, go out there and play your game. Bamba, you open, shoot that three. Yep. Vandy, like, like grab and go, push and transition and just go, 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 go. Because this team, to Mike's point about the rally around the flag, it's mm-hmm. just like they've got talent. This isn't. No. Like Dennis is not a minimum level player. Mm-hmm. So you add him to like all of these other dudes. It's like, okay, well, you're Vandy's also not a $4 million player. Mm-hmm. Rui, and Lonnie all can of absorb guys, usage, right? Like Lonnie, if you need a guy to get some shots up, Lonnie Walker, the fourth is a good guy to have. Yeah. And just, and just considering OKC and what we've said about them earlier, like they've got the benefit of some, at least a good level of continuity, even though they're all young, but it's not the most talented group right now. Mm-hmm without Shea in terms of a lot of things like shot creation and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's not like, I do, I do think this is a good, a good game to try this uh, where like, if you try to throw out that group in Memphis, it oh, would yeah. have been a bloodbath. Yeah. I don't even know who OKC is going to start, but like I might put Vando on Giddy 
and just be like, look, the same stuff you were doing to Luca, chase this dude, hound him. He's going to handle the ball a lot. Like, like I, I, I'm just saying, turn up the chaos, Pete, because yep. this is a chaos game. Love Athletes it. running around doing their thing. You don't got your star. We don't got our stars. <laughs> we're yep. just going to go head to head and see what happens. And is that the best situation for the Lakers to be in in a game where they really do need to win? Mm-hmm. No, of course not. They don't have their best players. We're not right. trying to like throw that to the side and just make it seem seem like nothing. But in a game like this, and maybe I'll look dumb tomorrow for saying it this way, but this is sort of how I'm looking at at this game. And I've got a certain amount of intrigue. This game is piquing my interest a little bit. I like it. I and on real quick on the Vanderbilt point, he was more of an interior defender yesterday than on the perimeter. And then the moment he got to onto Jaw, I was cracking up because Mike, you jumped in, and I could almost imagine you being like, "Hey guys, I got something real quick, right?" With uh, uh you had a little uh, hit uh, jumped in on that, and he disrupted him. He picked it up, picked him up uh, full court. Jaw was in such a rhythm that maybe that's not something you do the entire game, but having that to be able to throw that out there, I thought we missed that for a lot of yesterday's game and that I'm not as impressed with Vanderbilt as an interior defender. Like he's okay at it, but I think that there's something there on the perimeter where guys aren't used to attacking a player like him defensively. I think he could be a real special tool there. So I love the idea. Put him out on the perimeter, let him jump some passing lanes, get us out into transition while our shot creators are out. Let's make it a chaotic game tonight. All right. As always, an emotional roller coaster here at the Lakers, <laughs> just as this podcast was. Uh, we will be back tomorrow to see how the game went. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Bryant. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. 
a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.